Local voices, local conversations. You're listening to NapaBroadcasting.com. Thanks for joining us here at Napa Broadcasting. We're just counting down almost the hours until Election Day, and certainly nothing is more controversial, nothing is more focused everyone's attention in this primary election than Measure C right here in Napa County. We've had a couple of conversations here on Napa Broadcasting about the no on Measure C side, and as we get down to the end of the game, we're going to spend some time talking about the yes on Seaside as I'm joined by Napa City Council member Scott Sedgley, who has been since the beginning been a yes on Measure C. Scott, thanks so much for coming in. Jeff, thank you for the opportunity. It is my pleasure to have you here. Uh, talk a little bit about your involvement in this and really how you got drawn into to the debate on this to the point that, that you have been uh, a pretty outspoken advocate for Measure C. Uh, it's, it began with my uh, election to Napa City Council. And so, you know, we provide uh, water to our community through three resources, the state water project through the aqueduct, and then we have two local reservoirs, Lake Hennessy and Millican Reservoir. So uh, our water department is an enterprise fund. So money, revenue that is collected by that fund has to stay within that department. We, we can't collect water rates and pave streets with that money it has to stay within so we watch it very carefully and it you know water rates are going up there was a reduction in water usage due to the drought so we became a very uh, conservative conscious and so if we reduce our water usage by 20 percent revenue drops by 20 percent and so we have to figure that out and so I was starting to look at how we provide water outside water is one source that we do uh, we collect higher revenue if we sell water to another uh, water district, and we've done that to American Canyon, to Congress Valley, and we were we were trucking water actually to a lot of uh, vineyard operators and wineries, and uh, the Canaros Inn was was having trucked water. So I started to get into the the water business, and and hoping to uh, discontinue that that practice of carrying water over the road to uh, serve customers. So then that led me into protecting our source and the purity of our source. And it, it started with me over Walt Ranch. So when the Walt Ranch proposal was going through the process, and I know it was a, a long process, uh, the location is directly above Millican Reservoir. So it's in our watershed. So I was concerned. I've watched, I've lived here my entire life, and I've watched the, the water quality in Hennessy change. Uh, there's an algae bloom later in the, in the summer. Uh, there's more uh, nitrogen and different, uh, you know, chemicals that enter the water. And it, it's had in the past, you know, cattle grazing was a source of contamination to water. And, and we see that in Marin County over in the Point Reyes area with the big dairy farms and what they do to water quality. So that's how I got interested in the quality, quality, water quality piece. Uh, how are we impacting our two municipal reservoirs? Because if we, if we spoil them, our community will be dependent on water provided by the state agency, the, the water Department resources, and I like the ability during a drought where we have uh, we have a backup plan with our two two local reservoirs. So that got me into the whole. Uh, I talked to board of supervisors three years ago about how can we possibly uh, 
do an overlay around these two reservoirs. You draw a big circle around them and where the watershed is and say, we're not going to allow vineyard development in those areas to protect the water source. And the answer was, well, we have some of the, the firm, the hardest, you know, the difficult, you know, regulations in the, in the world on how we regulate it. And it's all in place and it's all working well. But I didn't see we, I mean, we do have, I mean, you, yes. you acknowledge we do have a lot of regulations yes, in place, a lot do. of regulations as they relate to right. watershed, et cetera. But we're, we're still failing in certain areas. And, and I was told that, well, those are, those are lawbreakers, the, the ones that are, are doing bad or they're, they're violating the rules. And so I said, well, okay, if, if you're going to have the certain growers violate the rules, then we should make it a little uh, more difficult to locate their vineyards in these sensitive areas where if they have a inclination to violate the rules, they do. And some of the big ones, the first one were uh, Paul Meyer up above Milliken. He graded and cleared the land with, you know, the not the right permits that we had and received some pretty stringent punishment at the yeah, time for but it. But he's still there. And then Paul Maz, when they did their work, there was issues with filling up some of the, uh, the Class Three streams with the rock that they removed from the mountain. Bremer is another one in Howell Mountain that's in a constant battle. Uh, the caves in Soda Canyon. So I think a lot of us in the community were starting to see that, you know, the, this, this industry is moving up into the outskirts of these, you know, these small rural communities, if you call... Well, but it was always the intent. I, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I just want you to comment on it. It was always the intent with the Ag Preserve that, you know, development would be limited to the cities and agriculture would be on the valley floor and in the hills. I mean, it was always an idea that agriculture would be in the hills. Well... That's not a new concept. Not at all, but I think the, the old, you know, the historical vineyards of the, in the 18, late 1800s, they were small vineyard plots in the mountains that were dry farmed. But now with, with big machinery and big money, you can do much bigger operations in the hills. And, and the ag preserve, as you mentioned, the valley floor, where the ag watershed, the term watershed, meant that is what it's doing. And, and not that farming is not is allowed in the watershed but i think what the 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 farming the scale of it is what is so disturbing it's just these massive scale a, a family two acre vineyard up in the hills dry farmed not an impact but when you have a a project like walt ranch that will have a major impact in that watershed well, I mean, you say that it will have a major impact, but in the environmental studies that were done, in the EIRs that were done, in the mitigation that was assessed when the project was approved, there are those that would argue, based upon their evidence, that in right. fact that's not the case, that, that whatever impact there, there might be is appropriately mitigated. Dueling experts. You know, if you, I you, don't you, disagree. You bring in, you know, like attorneys, you so, know, I'll so, argue so, either way. So then the question is, if, if that's the case, and I certainly understand your point, if it's really about dueling experts and dueling attorneys, is the initiative process that is essentially firing, you know, a cannon to try and kill a flea, is this the right way to go about it? Right or wrong, it's, it's, it's a, a last resort. It, I think it's when citizens feel that their electeds are not listening. I, I ask when I'm asked the same question. I said, "Do you do you appreciate Proposition 13? That was through initiative, that because the the electeds kept raising 
property taxes. So the citizens went out, Prop 13, GAN limits. So they all, well, yeah, the initiative process, there, but, there's a but, need but, and for Prop it. Prop 13 is an interesting example because there are unintended consequences yes. of that. Yes. that. You, having been involved for a long time in education and on the school board, you understand yes. what some of the consequences right. of Prop 13 have been to the state of California. These things don't come free. And sometimes doing things through the initiative process, particularly in a county that is already so heavily regulated, may not be the best way to address what what these legitimate concerns may be. And I believe the Board of Supervisors could have better addressed them along the way and avoided the initiative process after the the first attempt at the initiative when the, the, the signatures were invalidated. Right. I think there was an opportunity to discuss it there. But they just said, well, you know, you lost. Well, the group went out again and, and got the citizens again and had it qualified. But you can amend an initiative. And, and in Prop 13, if there was will in Sacramento to float another initiative to amend some of these unintended consequences or what we you know, a lot of commercial property and things were excluded, right. we could do it. But the, the Sacramento legislators, they don't want to tackle it. It's well, but, <laughs> but that's an argument against the initiative process because really what it says is that once something passes, nobody wants to go there again. It's too hot to handle. We'll leave it in place even if it's bad. And that's unfortunate. We, we need to elect different people that say, well, no, we, we are willing. We, we're not worried about our, our campaign war chests. We are, we are here to do the people's business, but it's about money. You but, know that. But listening to you, I mean, you start out talking about, gee, it would be great if we could draw a circle around an overlay, as you say, around the reservoirs. Yes. Uh, and suddenly what we have in response to that is this very clunky, cumbersome, arguably unenforceable, maybe even illegal initiative process that might accomplish something but probably will do a lot more damage. Well, I disagree. I don't think that it's it's vague. It's not cumbersome. I don't think it's. I don't think at all it's illegal. You could use that argument with Major P, Major J. You could always use that argument on those land use decisions that are that are done. I, I well, a, I, I, I is, is it safe to so will you stipulate that if for any reason C passes, that it's going to spend years and years in court before it's ever in place. And if if those with the means to take it into court and spend the money, you know, it'll be private money. I guess the big, the the ones, the the, the halls that want to do these large invest uh, uh, developments, if if they want to take it to the courts, it's their decision to do. And I don't believe it would be the right decision. I think it would it would drive a a, a larger wedge into the community. There is a groundswell. You see, one of the things that happens though. With, as a result of, of over-regulating, is that there, there's an interesting counterbalance that takes place. You talk about the halls. You know, Walt Ranch is an interesting case in point. I mean, I've heard numbers anywhere between $6 million and $10 million that's been spent on legal fees up to this point. And then we complain that there aren't enough small vineyards. It's only big companies, people with a lot of money, really moneyed interest coming in. Well, we make it so difficult and so cumbersome with all the regulation, and now adding more regulation on, we're making it impossible for anybody without millions and millions and millions to be a player. 
that's that's a valid point. And if if the small vineyard owner then if if it is so expensive and so cumbersome, then why aren't we addressing that? If we're looking at a small development that fits in a an, in an area that's not a sensitive watershed, let's let's try just like we're trying to do with housing, right? We, after the fires, we said we're going to try to make it less cumbersome to get a building permit. Is that happening? I hear that it's not. But if it's true, where you know, if Jeff Sheckman has a, a small plot and wants to plant three or four acres of vineyards on it, and you meet the erosion and environmental concerns, we should make that doable, not make it so cumbersome. So maybe we have, let's take the initiative and look at all of those regulations. Are they obsolete? Are they not doing what they're intended to do? The frustration is, it appears to a lot of people that there is... Uh, no stopping this ever-increasing development of the watershed as, as we move forward. You do agree, though, that there are regulations that are in place with respect to the watershed. There are regulation, regulations and regulations on top of regulations that are already in place with the county. And I'm not an expert on all of those. I've never developed a vineyard, but I understand that, you know, they, it is cumbersome. And if it's overly cumbersome, let's look. How, is, how are they affecting it? And uh, this initiative process is a result of frustration of our electeds not doing what we expect. But policy to do. that's a result of frustration is not necessarily the best public policy. If we look at what's going on in Washington today, and I think it's fair to say that, you know, we may disagree about uh, Measure C. We probably agree about how screwed up things are in Washington today. Yes. That's as a result of frustration that people had about certain policies, about globalization, about a lot of the economic divide in this country. And what we got as a result is far worse. I, I'm arguing <laughs> that Measure C is sort of the Trumpian answer to some frustration and problems that should be solved in a different way. You're good at that, but that's a big stretch. That's a big stretch. <laughs> I mean, uh, it was good, but it's a big stretch to think we've gone that far. Uh, you, you know, the, this this addition to you know the other is increased setback, which is not a huge thing. I know property owners say it will it will it will remove some potential developable land from their properties. Right? If we move the stream setback farther a small price to ask to protect the stream if we move it back a little bit. I don't know that those policies, what Major Xi is, is proposing to do, are that draconian. And and when the Vintners, the Napa Valley Vintners, came in and co-wrote this, and, you know, the 795-acre, you know, limit, that was all done together with the industry and the uh, Vision 2050 well, group. Right. There was an attempt to maybe find a compromise that, that obviously didn't work. They did find the compromise. And a, and a lot more of the industry is opposed to this. I mean, you look at the right. list of, of vintners that are on the yes on seaside, and, right. you know, you've seen the same website I've seen. It's a pretty small list. What happened to that, 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 that go-around with Napa Valley vintners, with that, with that deal, the compromise that they had, that they were going to – what happened there? Well, I, I would argue that Tackett and Wilson are impossible to compromise with, that they led – the vintners on, and the vintners got almost got suckered, but were smart oh, enough no. to pull out. There, there was no, there was no uh, influence from the from the bureau and the wine and grape growers in that decision. But, but when you look at it, it's interesting to note that the vintners, the grape growers, the wine growers, the farm bureau, that every single organization is opposed to Measure C, 
as are most of the wineries, large and small. It's not just lo- the big guys. Yes. I mean, I can count on fingers and toes probably the number of vintners that are for Measure C. You must have more fingers and toes than I have. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think it's, it's a pretty small list. It's this. It, it is smaller, but follow the money. I guess you know. It's 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 where the money comes from that is that is opposing this. I mean, it's it's special interest. It's clear as that, and I understand that. I, I had a but, but let, let me let me go back with that because I I hear that a lot. It's special interest. No, it is the interest. It's like you and I were talking a little bit before we went on the air. It's like people in Detroit suddenly hating the auto industry or people in New York wanting to get rid of Wall Street or people in Houston deciding that the oil and gas yeah. industry is bad. I mean, it, it is the lifeblood of, of the economy of this community. You know, because you get out there, you see what's going on in the world. You look at other towns throughout this country from one end to the other of 60,000, of 150,000 people, and they're not booming like we are. I don't believe it's a hate of the industry. I think the, the yes camp, uh, most of the yes camp, there always is a few. I appreciate what the wine industry does for our community. I truly do. Uh, but it's not saying that they have a blank check to do what they want to do. And there's been some bad well, players. But, and they don't have a blank check. I mean, you know, we agree that there is an awful lot of regulation in Napa County before you can do anything. And, yes, there are bad players. Right. No question about it. But do you want a couple of rotten apples to right. spoil the proverbial bunch? How, the first regulations went way back in, in 50 years ago when uh, the Ag Preserve was proposed. And, and it, w- it was opposed by the large landowners then. They opposed it because it was government reaching into their business. And so now, 50 years later, it's looked at, well, it was the best thing since apple pie that we did that. So do you agree that that regulation is necessary in in any industry, or will it— it's always the bottom line. I think regulation's fine, but we already have a lot of regulation. Bad regulation is not— better than no regulation it's not like we're starting from zero here this is an add-on and the the other part of it is that it goes against what has been the fundamental idea of the valley which is that agriculture is the highest and best use of the land and suddenly with measure c we're saying no that's not really the highest and best use i i don't think measure c is saying that it's just saying that the highest and best use of an oak tree is an oak tree I like that one, you know, so we just, <laughs> we, I think the interest in, you know. Let me ask you a question. If, if in fact, there were an overlay, uh, to use your or fence that we put around, um, as far as development near the reservoir, above the reservoirs, if that was the only thing that was done, would that be enough for you? Is wearing my city council hat? Yes. My, my interest, my duty, my responsibility as a council member, is to protect our sources of water. And so just wearing that hat, I would say, yes, if you can protect our reservoirs as a city council member, that's what I need to do. But as a human being, I'm an environmentalist. I'm not a radical environmentalist, but I'm an environmentalist. We need to protect our environment. We, we've done it with, we've improved the air quality with uh, with 
emissions on cars, right? We all hated that, the smogging your car. And by the way, but we, it worked. we've improved the Napa River tremendously. Yeah, we right. can bring in lots of scientists, and there's not a whole lot of debate on this, that the Napa River is in far better shape now than it was 10, 15 years ago. I see it with my own eyes. We were scared as children to get in the water. But now it's safe. We have beavers and otters, and life has returned. But that was through regulation that stopped industry from dumping into the river. It it helped with the ag industry from erosion and pesticides and fertilizers. So yes, we have, we are doing great things. But we never have to say enough is enough. We have to be ever vigilant well. because the capitalism will. Bottom line, we have to make more money. Well, th- there's two po- the other side of that, which is that y- I understand you never want to say it's enough because you're always trying to do better. I get that. But there's also a point that it is overreach and that it's counterproductive and that it works against the economic interests of the people that are providing the, the fundamental right. economic resource of the community. Yeah, I, I look at it from a, a different lens with the regulations from 50 years ago, have land values decreased for, you know, the farm industry? No. Has has profit decreased in the wine industry? It has not. Uh, I don't believe that Measure C will impact the industry negatively. Uh, you know, the, the, the opposition, they, they, they spread these signs out about it's going to hurt farmers. It's, it's going to increase traffic. It's going to it's going to stop high schoolers from getting a diploma. All of this ridiculous argument that what it will do, all it will do is add additional protections to this environment we live and breathe and drink. If that were true, if it were so benign, why do you think there is such opposition to it? Do you think it's because people have nothing better to do? <laughs> because they would rather spend money on that than you know go out to another dinner or something? Good point. It, but to the to the believers, it's not benign because it will it, it will it will it will help preserve our environment, our natural environment. To the opposition, it's it's you're reaching into my pocket. You know, I'm going to lose a little land. I'm going to be overregulated. So that's why they fight. But but the problem is that it has gone beyond the environmental issue. The two principal proponents of this, the two people that wrote this initiative, Hackett and Wilson, and you and I were talking a little bit about this before we went on, have been for at least five, six, seven years that I'm aware of now at every Board of Supervisors meeting. And if you go back and replay their comments over all this time and all those meetings, what you hear is not about oak trees. You don't hear about the reservoirs. You don't hear about concern for the city of Napa's drinking water. You don't necessarily hear even about the improvement in the Napa River. What you hear is a constant stream and barrage of criticism of the wine industry and how it's destroyed their precious valley. And and that is, the, the I would argue, the core problem here. That the proponents, and I'm, you know, and that's why I invited you here, because I believe you have a concern that that's legitimate and that it's that you're not on the bandwagon of hashtag blame the wineries for everything i'm not and i don't know how many uh people are i think those individuals you mentioned they were they were impacted close to home uh, jim wilson lives near the walt ranch pro uh 
proposed project. So groundwater, I think, has always been their concern up there. The Circle Oaks development, they're, you know, they're a development that probably shouldn't have been built up there in the first place, like a few others in the county around Lake Berryessa, but they were. And so they depend on groundwater. So with the Walt Ranch proposal with, you know, these large wells to do irrigated farming, their concern, I think, was always water. And so it was how they were being impacted personally. Uh, Mike Hackett is up in the Angwin area, and he was seeing what was happening along Las Posadas Road, the removal of the, the conifers and oaks up there, and the impact it was having on his community. So that's, that's generally what gets people motivated. And, and we have a big project coming up soon, Napa Oaks, right. and the opposition to Napa Oaks are the people that live near. Right. The so project. so do do we really want and I, I ask you this with your city council hat on, forget as you see for just a moment, but do we really want government by NIMBY? No. We and we can't do government by committee. I mean, I we were I was at a discussion about uh, the city hall project, and, and a lot of the people there said, "Well, we want to be brought on. We want to be part of the process. We want to look at the design." Well, a government can't run by committee. It's hard enough to, to get things done in, a, in an elected body. So, yeah, it, we don't want to be by NIMBY, and I don't. I look for the greater good of the community. When I make a decision with my council hat on, it's for the the the, the greatest benefit for the most number of people traffic circulation bridges homes that's what i have to look at and and so the nimbyism is loud they're they're organized they're passionate but we can't govern by nimbyism and and finally because i know you've got to go let me ask you this has been a very contentious debate this this whole measure c argument and um it it has really gone to got a lot of people pretty angry do you think that Everybody could come together after it, regardless of how it turns out? Because some people don't think that it's going to uh, settle that easily. There will be a few. Uh, I think most of us uh, will will move on. But there might be a few that the wounds are, are, are a little deeper. If somebody uh, misrepresented themselves, told a lie, those sometimes those things are, are uh, harder to forgive. But just as a matter of policy and making it work and moving forward, I think most of us that are, you know, connected to the community will move on. Uh, But there's always a few. We'll see. Scott Sedgley, thanks so much for coming in. Thanks, Jeff. Always a pleasure. You're listening to NapaBroadcasting.com, Napa Valley Radio for the way we live now.